guys, this is Maddie and Kenzie Ziegler, and we have a podcast called Take 20. We want to kick back and hang out with you, but we know you're busy, so let's take 20 every week to talk, to vent, to get real. 20 minutes to catch up and talk about everything that's on our minds and yours. Listen with us for 20 minutes when you're in the car, putting on makeup, working out, cleaning your room, avoiding doing your homework. Take a break from whatever you have to do and hang out with us. Listen to Take 20 on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. River Cafe Table 4 is a brand new podcast with me, Ruthie Rogers. Each week, I invite a special guest, such as Paul McCartney, to discuss their food memories. John Lennon and I hitchhiked to Paris and we thought, oh, we've got to have a wine experience. We're in France. And we took a sip and thought, that is terrible. It's like vinegar. Listen to River Cafe Table 4 on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. For the past 20 years, I've been immersed in the world of true crime and have confronted serial killers face to face. My name is M. William Phelps, host of the hit podcast, Paper Ghosts. Now my new show, Crossing the Line. Get ready for the uncensored truth, interviews with top experts, and stories of the missing and murdered you have not heard anywhere else. I mean, he was the master manipulator of coercive control. It turns out that the dead guy worked out at the same gym. Listen to Crossing the Line with M. William Phelps on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Record Store Society, a production of iHeartRadio. It's really funny. Like I, I think in this record store we find genres to be fun nonsense, and yet we don't put much like stock in them. It's like, well, they they help define things, and they're a silly classification, and they're like kind of a kickoff point to conversation. But you don't need to take it too seriously, you know. Like they're very rubber band. You can, you can kind of stretch them to kind of encapsulate uh, whatever you want. Uh, oh, hey, hi, uh, welcome to our record store. I'm Seth, and this is Tara. Feel free to look around and uh, just give us a shout if you need anything. Uh, in particular, the whole idea of like things kind of being more than one genre at once are always really interesting to me, because then like some people will fall in love with it for one genre definition and others for something else. And, uh, oh, hey, now here, here is a customer who will be able to help us with all of this. It's Sarah Damsky. Sarah, hello. Thank you for coming in today. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going well. Hi. Now, we're, we're talking about genres and specifically electronic mm. genres. You know a lot about UK Garage, right? I like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> now, for people who are unfamiliar, that are standing around this record store listening to us right now, um, basically... I'm trying to define it in ways that doesn't make it sound like a, like a Wikipedia um, uh, uh, definition. Sarah, if, if you were sure. forced, and I, I'm not going to make you do like a thesis statement, how would you define the genre of UK Garage? I'd say that it's actually quite fascinating because it's sort of ping-ponged back and forth from several different countries to become the ultimate sound that <laughs> defines UKG today. Right. There are arguments that it started in New York um, with more like UK, with more like garage house, they called it, that then kind of swung back to England using some, a whole host of influences from like Jamaica to US hip hop to kind of become an amorphous amalgamation of like all of these sounds from these different cultures. But 
I'd say it's a really shuffly, really fun, kind of faster version of house plus breakbeat, depending on like what kind of beat style you get. Mm. Um, there's also UKG tracks that I think a lot of people would hear and immediately would classify as house or deep house, but just faster. And, and so they don't know it's UKG and they don't call it UKG. Um, but I think that's how I would describe it to someone who had never heard it before. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think what you said, uh, shuffly, shuffly, I think mm-hmm. is a really good yeah. kind of like vague word that. that helps describe. And, and you're also right too, that like the New York thing, like what, what isn't the actual term, the, 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 the word garage, it comes from a club in New York that was the source for the word or something like that. Yeah, I've heard a few things about that um, because I've also heard it attributed to Stonewall, like a lot mm. of the garage house um, sound coming coming out of that club. So I'm not 100% sure exactly where it originated. And I actually have a lot of reading material that kind of contradicts them, like each other. And, right. I th- and one of the interesting aspects is that um, the UKG community is so strong, but it's also really centralized and kind of far away. And there are communities popping up in like Tokyo and in Australia with like tough tracks that um, are surfacing that are making it evident that, you know, garage really is like a worldwide force. But for so long, I felt really disconnected and, and kind of like an outsider. So sometimes it's hard for me to speak to exactly what the culture is mm. or how it it actually started. But from an outsider's perspective, and yeah, I'm not sure to answer exactly to your question about um, it being named for a specific club, but yeah, it's just, it's just interesting in that way to an outsider's perspective or, or from my perspective. But I, I like yeah. that you're occasionally using the uh, British pronunciation as well, which is... <laughs> Garage, like garage. Yeah, garage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I asked somebody about it, ironically. Like, I, I straight up just asked someone who lives in London, Yaw Evans, who's a brilliant producer. Um, and he talked a little bit about how, you know, kind of like a lot of different terms, a lot of the culture and meaning is rooted in the way that you say it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, I, I just asked him, like, should I say garage or should I say garage? And he said, I think if you were here, everyone would say, say it garage. Right. That makes sense. I feel like because we are going to maybe talk about the UK specifically, garage makes sense for us. Um, but I, I wanted to go back just a little bit because um, the whole, the, the skipping, the shuffling bit, how it was so much of a, before when it started maybe in the early 80s, even like late 70s, thinking about how it's more just four on the floor, that straight kick drum beat. And then when it went over to the UK or when the UK started messing around or or however, actually, we don't truly know. It seems like UK uh, took that and sort of pushed it further and started to um, change the drum beat slightly later in the 90s of course but not in the 80s um to to make it more of a like move the kick over and then have that syncopated snare also so it kind of turned into this Mm -hmm. whole two-step shuffle skipping feel which is so fun but kept those sort of soul samples too or those vocal soul vocal Mm -hmm. influences right right MJ Cole described UKG as cheeky. 
<laughs> and I think that that's like one of the best descriptions I've ever heard because there is something about it. It just doesn't take itself too seriously. No, I, I think you're right. And I, I think a really good example of that, that is perhaps a mainstream example. I mean, who knows what's what's mainstream anymore? Like, it's, <laughs> sure, right. the, the world is a, a strange splintered place at this point. But at mm-hmm. least I view this as mainstream because it lasted for a long time. Um, there's that show that was, I believe, on the BBC or just some British channel, uh, uh, People Just Do Nothing. Have you guys seen that? I've never seen that or heard of it. It's wonderful. I have seen that show. It's, it's um, so funny. It is. It, it's basically the premise is, is um, it's uh, these... It's an MC and a DJ who love garage. Oh, and by the way, anyone in the record store, we're going to be using the terms garage, garage, UKG interchangeably. <laughs> so just kind of get used to it. We're all talking about the same thing. But... Um, it's a pirate radio station on the outskirts of London, and um, it's um, a mockumentary, very office style, and it's just wonderful. Like everyone's got this, like you know, grand delusion of grandeur, and a grand delusion of grandeur. Wow! <laughs> um, and um, they uh, basically um, aren't very popular. Aren't very well. I, I, you know what? They aren't that bad. They aren't that bad at what they do, but they they, they aren't they aren't beloved their radio station i think only has like a five mile radius no one can really hear them but they treat themselves as if they are like this legendary movement and they exclusively play uk garage stuff and um they they come up against the outside world often where they'll be like what who listens to that anymore like no that's like maybe i listened to that back in like the late 90s but i'm not listening to that anymore now i'm listening to whatever (laughs) and like they come across this very often and tara i believe it's on netflix if you ever get get a chance you can watch like all five seasons in a weekend because it's british so there's only 27 episodes i think and um it's wonderful it's 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 a really good show mostly just because it's scrappy and fun. Like if you knew nothing about the garage scene, it's still a good show, but you get to like pick up all these little like tidbits and fun and just anyone having a good time with music. It just kind of feels tailor made for you when you're a music fan. So it's, it's a good times. Yeah. Cool. But what we're here for today is the high fidelity game. We're about to go into our top five UK garage, 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 UKG (laughs) albums. (laughs) And Sarah, I hope you'll join us for this because your input will be very, very valuable. I don't think my input's going to be super valuable in this, but both, <laughs> but both of you DJ, so you're going to know a lot more about this than I do. I'm just excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. Um, I feel like I feel like I don't get to talk about garage that much <laughs> in general. Um, I don't even remember that. Probably the last time that I specifically talked about it. Or even really thought of it as just by itself, like, what what are my favorites? Um, was maybe back when Disclosure was really starting to pop off. Mm. That's really um, funny. I thought about them at the beginning of this conversation, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they made, well, no, no, I'm not going to say that. Never mind. <laughs> I don't know. It's funny how that happened, though. And I don't know why. And it's not like they made it any more popular or what? I don't know. But yeah, I think that's like the last time that I really like zoomed in on garage as like a, a genre. Mm-hmm. Well, Tara, are you going to kick us off with our uh, yeah. top five lists? 
I can. Yes. So my list is kind of all over the place, maybe I would say. Uh, A few of them have some of my favorite tracks, so that's why I kind of went with them. Uh, And I'm just going to go ahead and kick it off. The first one you might not even think as being a Garage or UK Garage album, but it is from the year 2000. The artist is Craig David, and the album is Born to Do It. Why were you creeping down late last night? But I see two shadows moving in your bedroom light. Now you're dressed in black when I left you were dressed in white. So yeah, I feel like this, you know, it's it is very much two-steppy, garagey, but very much R and B also. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, and it was huge in the UK and it was also huge in the US. And mm. I feel like it I feel like it deserves a spot, you know, in this list. Um, I love it. So good. Fill me in. Uh, what's the uh, seven days? Yeah. Bangers. I'll bet we're going to have a lot of like genre kind of blurring at the edges moments with this. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's yeah. I think that's kind of representational of the genre writ large that it has kind of done so many things like there is instrumental garage. There is garage with like, you know, I'm going to say like kind of like chopped and screwed vocals on top. And then there's also the kind of garage where it's got like an MC and it basically just turns Mm. into grime at a certain point too. You know, like it's, we're we're (laughs) going to be blurring some lines a lot today. (laughs) And, and yeah, so to your point, Sarah, I wonder if we will ever overlap. Like, like I feel like we're in like a big ocean right now. And Mm -hmm. like, are we ever going to get close enough to each other? So like our little like life raft, like ropes can get close enough to each other to help like be saved. (laughs) I'm so curious. Honestly, Tara's thrown me for a loop. I did not expect that one right oh, out really? the gate. So yeah, I'm I'm excited because oh. I think like a lot of, of mine are more accidental crate finds. Mm. And so I'm oh. like excited to hear about like more. Um, yeah, I'm just excited to hear about the ones that you've come up with that are, yeah, have had a little bit more success. It's a, yeah. Um, and this one especially is interesting because it, um, Craig David actually probably got his start singing for singing on Artful Dodger tracks, mm. um, which you know Artful Dodger is pretty legendary in the UK garage scene as well. Or garage. I feel bad <laughs> saying garage actually when I'm talking about these <laughs> artists in the UK. I feel like if ever any of them happened to hear me say it. They would definitely judge me. So I feel like I'm going to say garage from now on. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, everyone might have a different opinion, but I feel like, you know, we were, we were informed by someone we can trust. So yeah. Cool. I I think this is going to be a particularly good game of high fidelity where whenever we're done, I always uh, make a little uh, pl- uh, playlist on Spotify of every, all, all of the different albums that we've mentioned throughout the game. And I post that up on our website, uh, recordstoresociety.com, or you can find it on our Discord. And this is going to be a really informative one for me, I think. Because like you said, like there are so many just corners when it comes to like, mm-hmm. I mean, this, this genre, I think more than any other is related deeply to things that are pirated, things that are not clearing their samples, <laughs> things right. that are like lots of white label culture. That's for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, 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 like, there's going to be a lot of like 
us shining flashlights into corners with this, especially with both of your <laughs> lists. So I'm, I'm really excited to both make a playlist when we're done talking today and to listen to, to said playlist when we're done. Yeah, <laughs> me too. It's going to be eclectic, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> very eclectic. Um, all right. Yeah. Should I, should I keep going? Please. Should yeah. I move on? All right. Number four on my list. And I'm kind of cheating with this one. I really, really love this song, but it's not necessarily on an album. Ah. So I'm cheating and I'm going to mm. list a single, but maybe you can call it an EP if you'd like. Um, so in that case, maybe it does fit under the album section. I don't know. Um, but it's from, it's actually a newer track, but every time I hear it, I'm just, you know, it's one of those tracks where you, you're like, damn, like as soon as it hits and you can't help but sort of move and turn the volume up. Um, it's from the year 2020 and the song or what? Oh, I'm just surprised that that's, that's some brand, oh. that's some brand new stuff. Very recent. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you <laughs> I thought you were going to stop me to, to say something before I went forward. No, no, no. Um, I, I guess what I'm saying is that like, because UKG is so based originally in like the late nineties and early two thousands, I, I like the idea a lot of modern, modern UKG. I think the the newest I will probably hit will probably maybe be like 2015 tops. So I, I, I love 2020. You just saying 2020 makes me excited for something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Um, the single, or actually I'll say the artist first. You're from year 2020. The artist is DJQ and it's all that I could slash it's you. Um, I actually played all that I could on uh, Addison Groove's Barrel Fest this past year. And again, yeah, it's such a banger. It's so good. I love it so much. Um, coincidentally, he did put out an EP after this, and it's not the song that I like. All that I could is not actually on it, so I'm not sure. I guess he's just releasing that one as sort of a single EP situation. But um, mm. yeah, he's from England. Uh, Yorkshire, um, and I think he got his big break on um, a baseline show on the BBC. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I know of DJQ, actually, big fan, and TQD, which is a group that he's in with um, Flava D. And, oh, gosh, I'm going to look it up right now because I have to give all three of them cred, but <laughs> I'm just blanking. So it's Royalty, DJQ, and Flava D. And Flava D was like my inspiration when I first started producing because she was one of the only women that I knew of at the time that was producing Garage and Baseline. And so I just immediately fell in love with her and actually found DJQ through Flava D. Mm. Um, so it was like a back route. But yeah, all of their tracks are so fun, so incredible, yeah. so high energy. Just, yeah. Yeah. I think you hit it. It's so fun. It's just such a fun, yeah, all, all of his DJQ's music uh, for sure is, is just so fun. And that maybe that goes back to that whole like cheeky thing, mm. um, just not taking yourself too seriously. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a banger. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, one thing we haven't really talked about is just how the whole like bass, future bass, um, dubstep, like bass is such a huge part of, 
UK garage in general, I think they put more focus on bass than the original, I guess, whatever the original form of garage was in the US before it made its way over. Um, and And that I think is really cool. They made it like tougher and then it kept getting tougher and tougher and tougher until maybe it became too much for me. I'm sorry with like mainstream dubstep, I can't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're totally right. And um, and I'm sure we'll get a little bit more into this as we go through everybody's list, but there has been this movement of like, um, well, a lot of producers making two-step right now currently have baseline backgrounds or influences. So there's been this cool merging of these really aggressive baselines, but with more kind of lo-fi sort of old school 90s early 2000s two-step beats that I think are a really nice middle ground for you know people that do get overwhelmed by those like really snarly dubstepy bass lines um, and people who kind of want something a little bit more high energy than like garage house or Mm -hmm. um, deep house so we'll see. I, I could see it potentially becoming more and more popular as time goes on because it's it's so easy to digest. And it's like yeah. you can just listen to it for hours and not get tired. Yeah. So cool. Um, all right. Let's move on to my number three album from the year 2000 again. Uh, they're all from the year 2000, <laughs> um, which makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, from the sorry, that time except for that um that super super new one um and that is from the artist mj cole and the album is sincere a uk garage classic (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i feel like you can't have a top five or like a top UK garage list without MJ Cole in it. That'd be weird, right? Shoot. Mine doesn't have him, but I, I tried, (laughs) I tried really hard to exclude him. Um, just so that I could maybe have some like more abstract (laughs) albums to share, but something I love. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say thanks to Tara. He's in our 15. So that's, we got, yeah, he has made it into the lists, but, but please, Sarah, (laughs) please continue. (laughs) Oh, um, yeah. I was just going to say MJ Cole's whole immersive world was so iconic and his design. Like, I don't know if you've ever just looked at all of the album and single art from MJ Cole's career, but it just all looks like these designer ads like these designer fashion ads so it'll be like mj cole written on a really beautiful bag or like a pair of sunglasses and mj cole next to it and it just (laughs) has this like iconic fashion like vibe and that has just is just imprinted on my brain from like decades (laughs) ago you know (laughs) like it's just being the coolest thing in my mind that's interesting i never even really noticed that actually and now i see it I mean, consistent aesthetics are difficult, and when you can pull it yeah. off, it's it's quite a feat. I mean, that, that that takes a lot of pre-thought, a lot of thinking. I mean, look at Jack White. His career has mm. been color-coded, you know? <laughs> like, like you can That's see crazy. his red, black, and white era go up to his blue <laughs> and black era now and all the different things. Like, 
yeah, no, it's 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 a, it's a strange thing when you're able to be that consistent with an aesthetic throughout a decade, two decades, three decades, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and and plus he's just um, really made such an impact um, in the music world, producing so many amazing albums and acts uh, like Mary J. Blige he worked with, he worked with, um, uh, gosh, uh, Dizzy Rascal, um, De La Soul even. So he's just worked with so many amazing artists, um, doing production type work. So I think, I think that's super cool. Nice. Great pick. Totally. Go MJ Cole. All right. We are down to my number two. It's actually another new one. And I don't know if you could probably argue that it's not entirely UK garage or garage, but I'm I'm keeping it just because <laughs> I really love it. And I feel like the one banger track that I love from it is it definitely fits based on the type of bass and um, sort of a two-steppy type uh, drum beat. And the album is Bicep by Bicep and the year is 2017. Yeah, I love Bicep so much. Yeah, I think Bicep has done such a world of of good for opening up a lot of producers that are based in the U.S. to more U.K. flavors. And I think that has opened up a lot of opportunities for more independent producers as well. Huh, interesting. Yeah, I love how I feel like their sound has sort of changed not a lot, but just it's, it seems like it's sort of uh, matured. I hate saying that, but I feel like it's like matured over time. You know, when I first started hearing them, they were doing, it was almost like blog music, you know, it was like mm. fuzzy disco edits, uh, remixes. And then they do this um, debut album and it has the song glue on it, which is the one I love so much. Right. Um, and it's it's just, it's so good. And then after that, they put out that uh, Isles album. And yeah, and I feel like it's just getting, not weirder, but just, you know, more, yeah, it's not, it's not like how they started out. And I feel like it is sort of maybe a more mature sound or someone who um, is into maybe a little bit more, I don't know, experimental, but not experimental vibes. Does that make any sense? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, okay. and I, I think mature doesn't have to be purely like weirder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like when, yeah. You, when you mature, it basically like in in the world you mature because you've taken in more of the world, and you're almost like reflecting your knowledge and experience in the work that you do. So I think you know, age just gives you more opportunity to consume more, which then gives you more opportunity to have more influences, which then gives you more opportunity to be more interesting in the work that you do. So yeah, no, I, I wouldn't call maturing to be a bad thing. I actually heard something really interesting about that recently, which I thought was fascinating. Um, Tyler, the creator, was saying hmm. that if he wasn't so, like, I guess, like, precocious as a kid, because, you know, that dude was putting out albums when he was, like, 16, 17 years old, and he's been putting them out consistently ever since then. 
he was like, if my last two albums were my first two albums, I would be a legend. But you guys had to hear, hear my teenage bullshit. And so now I have a long way to go before I can just be like respected as an artist, like <laughs> on my own terms now. And it's like, oh, that's really mm. interesting. And, and so like he has definitely matured as a musician and sure people will always respect his like teenage stuff for being like, whoa, you're so ahead of your time for a 16 year old. But he is definitely like, I'm an adult now. And as an adult, I make great albums. And it's too bad you guys heard my stuff when I was a teenager. <laughs> it's kind of like finally finding someone's like old MySpace blog. And you're like, wait, what's this? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But it's so fun to watch someone totally ma- mature. Again, there's that yeah. word. Over time and just see how they're career progresses and changes and shifts. Oh, definitely. It's one of my favorite things about music in general is progression and growth and change and watching, watching that timeline, you know, watching Neil Young, watching the fiery furnaces, watching Madonna, like all of these artists have like such a strange trajectory and you can see it very clearly by, by, by watching their, their discography, you know? And um, no, I think that's Mm -hmm. a great thing. I think it's, it's always fun to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then there's the whole thing, like if you, you know, you're a very popular artist and you know, you know, what doesn't broke, what isn't broken? Don't, it ain't, what is it? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. There it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do these like side projects that are really interesting. Yeah. Um, mm, yeah. One thing that immediately comes to mind is that in the nineties, Mariah Carey actually did a rock album. She wrote a rock album, hmm. but someone else sang on it. Oh. And it's, I actually had the CD as a teenager, Chick. You remember Chick? From no, the I never heard of it. That is song called Malibu Barbie, but that was Mariah Carey, but she didn't really tell anyone until like recently. Whoa. And now it's like going for so much money on Discog. So that's yeah. crazy. I wow. noticed she was like, I just had a, I just wanted to get some dark stuff out, you know, and it's. I just love that. Yeah. That is super cool. Reminds me of like when uh, Garth Brooks was pretending he was Chris Gaines for a hot minute. (laughs) As you were talking about that, I had this flash realization um, that you were actually right earlier about that club. It was called the Paradise Garage. Right. And I think I temporarily got it confused with Stonewall because it was also a really iconic bar for the LGBTQ community Mm. um, in um, New York. But I was wrong. So I take my earlier statement back. But you were right. Paradise Garage. But I think you were still right, Sarah, in the way that it there have been contradictions saying that it may not have stemmed from Paradise Mm. Garage, but also from Zanzibar or Zanzibar. The one that uh, Humphreys played at. So there's this like, it wasn't Larry Levin, it was Humphreys. There's <laughs> a lot of people I'm sure that are like, no, I don't know. But it you could probably just say both, right? Right. And, and, <laughs> or, and yeah, I'm sure with above. all movements of every art form, it's never clear cut. You know, yeah, like, you sure, know, who totally. started punk, who started, you, yeah, yeah, every, every, every yeah. movement. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's so true. And that actually reminds me of something funny because it actually was really difficult to find. Like when I first started finding out about UKG, I had um, found a track and I didn't know what genre it was. Mm -hmm. And so it was really hard for me to find more tracks. And then someone told me like, oh, that's called garage and so i looked up garage oh. online and i just found a bunch of punk music and right I was like, why can't i find yeah. this music and it was like 
a desperation times. Like I literally couldn't figure out how to find this music anywhere. And SoundCloud was the way that I eventually found it. Cause when I put the garage search term in there, right. no, no punk really came up and yeah. all these like old, like bootlegs, um, that people had uploaded from like producers from the nineties. And then people that were working on their own tracks or like uploading long lost tracks were uploaded with that tag. And that's how I found like all, all of the music that I started to DJ with. Um, but it is funny how, yeah, just simple things like that can mean that you just can't find things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I definitely remember the first time I heard anything from the label slash genre of PC music. And it was relatively yeah. early on in that movement of the uh, hyper pop movement and yeah, trying to Google PC music before it had become popular was very difficult. And like, I can imagine. Trying to explain to someone what it is and trying to like find... Eventually, once you find the label and you figure out who A.G. Cook is, then you can kind right. of like, you know, distill it down to all the different, you know, channels. But uh, yeah, but yeah the initial search is a hard one. <laughs> it's so true. And and like, yeah, it's it's definitely a hard one to describe. I, I loved PC music when they first started releasing stuff and I tried to describe it to my mom and I literally described it as like really awesome sounding chipmunks plus pop because <laughs> I had like no other idea how to describe it to her and yeah. I knew she wouldn't like it if I played it so I was just like I'll, I'll go with the description and see if she Guess. <laughs> right. Yeah. I remember my, my explanation to people, which didn't really convince many people, but I, I thought it was good at the time, was um, using the structure of popular music. So chorus, verse, chorus, you know, popular chord changes, et cetera, et cetera. But using the most obtrusive kind of like ear drill noises possible. <laughs> And that combination of noise and pop just kind of gives it like a brand new feeling. And they're like, why would you want mm -hmm. that? And I'm like, never mind. <laughs> it's, it's good. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Listen to some GFOTY. It's fun. <laughs> it is. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah, do you not only do you DJ, do you also produce? I do. I would describe myself as the tur the tortoise pretty like, you know, um, oh, yeah. like people are literally running circles around me. But when I do crank out a track, I'm usually pretty excited about it. But in the and part of it has to do with um, running Maison Fauna, our label with our um, with my four co-founders. I think a large part of our process has been listening and writing feedbacks for tracks. And mm. I think in doing that, I realize that I'm not necessarily at the level that I want to be at. Um, but when I do produce, I produce mostly kind of like dark two-step. So okay. yeah, that's yeah. just going to ask what's, this, what's your genre that you produce, but I'm with you. It takes so much time for me. I'm not an expert at Ableton yet, but mm -hmm. just sitting down and, mulling over little elements of song, um, especially if you're a perfectionist, it can really paralyze you and take you a really long time. Whereas sometimes maybe if you're more confident with the tool or making music, you can just crank some stuff out. So I feel yeah. Like Ooh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Same. Yeah. But there's also something to be said about um, only releasing pearls, like not releasing grains of sand, you know? Um, like, like I think... Mm. 
um, mo most of my um, um, background is in the visual arts. And depending upon the age of the people I work with, actually, this kind of factors into the Tyler, Tyler the Creator thing again, too, which is like, if I know an artist who was in like their teenage years when the internet was already fully in bloom, they've got some terrible fucking artwork on the internet <laughs> that they don't want associated with their name anymore. But, you know, it's like a tube of toothpaste. It's it's easy to get out. It's hard to put back in. So um, it's, so it's, true. it's really yeah. difficult for um, some artists to kind of like purge the bad and keep only the good online. So if you are only putting out your favorite things, at, at least that, you know, like perhaps yeah. it, it can't be listed as prolific, but it might still all be good. And that's the best. That's, that's better. You know, like in, in the eyes of the world. Mm. High quality is still high quality, you know? That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like if I go back in a couple of months, I might be like, oh, I've learned so much. I can't believe I put this out. But I think that's also the beauty of being an artist is right. you get to sort of watch yourself learn and grow. And you have to kind of accept this previous version of you that was less, not in a bad way, but just different less and um in that one regard and like maybe there were other things that you sacrificed that you used to be more of at that point but you put that aside so that you could focus on something else and be better at that thing mm -hmm. and i've i've been better at learning to accept that um and i think you know i used to delete things off the internet as soon as i would go and, and listen to a track from a couple of years ago i used to be like oh my god this is horrible i'm gonna delete this forever <laughs> And then I realized that that's not a realistic way to navigate through the world. And if I keep doing that, there's going to be like nothing of me left. <laughs> right. So I've gotten a little yeah. bit better at like, you know, kind of curating, but not over. Yeah, not not eliminating it all just because I want to have this like exterior perfection that the world sees. Yeah. That was a little tangential. No, 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 no. I love it. I think it goes right along with all that we were saying, and I, I can 100% relate. When I, when I first started DJing, the first mix I ever put out was a mix that I did not actually mix. You know what I mean? It was just songs that yeah. I put together. I mean, they, they were squished together, but they did not go together. Right. Um, but yeah. in some yeah. ways. <laughs> Like I look back and I cringe at it now, but also I had such a freedom of expression, not following any rules. Yeah. Yeah. I was mm -hmm. picking like very creative songs that I would not put together now, knowing the rules of DJing keys and beat matching and all of that tempos. And, and so, yeah, it's in some way it's freeing to not have those rules of whatever, you know, to just right. mm -hmm. do a thing. But then your your peers might judge you or the experts, whoever. <laughs> but I kind of, yeah, it's kind of like I look back on that and I'm just like, wow, so creative. But yet yeah, that's not how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fun journey. All right. Speaking of a journey, we have made it on our trip to my number one spot. Uh and it's epic. I think it's epic. And again, you could probably not call this one UKG, but I think it definitely is in some ways an homage to it. There are elements of it. So I'm going to call it that. From 2007, 
The artist is Burial. The album is Untrue. An epic Banger. one. Banger. Epic. Yeah. Epic. Yeah. yeah. No, that, I mean, that's... Uh, anyone who has ever heard that album knows how special it is. Like it's, mm-hmm. it, it's a secret only in the regard of people who haven't heard it yet need to hear it soon. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like you pity them. Yeah. You're like, oh, you've never heard that. Like I feel Please, let me like buy my it. heart yeah. hurts for you. Yeah. What like, kind of life have you been living <laughs> that you've never come across this before? Yeah. And now yeah. lucky you, you get to experience it for the first time right now. So That's I know, I'm like jealous. Yeah. I'm jealous. Yeah. yeah. And it's no shame. It's we want we want you to hear it. Please, how can I Venmo you so you can buy it, the physical copy, <laughs> and just listen to it on repeat. It's yeah. so good. And if we want to break down the elements of of untrue or even just any burial work that relate back to UK Garage, just uh, thinking through how he often takes those um, R and B samples and pitch shifts them and. Uh, stretch it or stretches them out and then uses um, different time signatures and beats. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just so good. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's also funny to me that at the time, so this would have been 2007-ish, um, folks were referring to this as future gar- garage. Oh. <laughs> I still can't say it right. I'm, like, I'm going to say garage for <laughs> now. So, yeah, totally. I, I think everyone will forgive you. But yes. Uh, but, but they were, they were referring to this album as future garage, which is, mm-hmm. which is funny because it's the past. Like people shouldn't call things future things because eventually they're going to be wrong, you know? <laughs> right. But, um, funny. but yeah, cause like in, in, in a, in a way this was like, the next step of garage because it brought in like all these extra elements. Like, yeah. like there was, it, it was proto dubstep. It was um like ambient. It was kind mm-hmm. of hardcore. It had kind mm-hmm. of like, I, I, I'm never very good about this. This is another um, um word. I, I always get wrong. Is the music concrete? It's a French word, right? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. People like Holly Herndon, people like um, oh, the books. Oh, I just call that experimental. Like, well, it's, oh, but, but, it's not, the but it's not just experimental. It's the elements that you use are like, like real elements. So kind of like like Matmos perhaps as well. Oh, Matmos. We're, 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 Sorry, just... Yes. That most is the greatest. Um, yeah. But, but, uh, but, but it's that thing of like, um, it's, it's, it's a French thing. And I believe the music concrete, it's basically creating things that sound kind of like digital and techno and electronic, et cetera. However, you're using real world elements and it kind of like mm-hmm. creates that sound, despite mm-hmm. the fact that what you're doing is actually very analog. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not an expert yeah. on the music concrete, but that that element is in here too. There's a lot of very analog noises on Untrue, elements that are just made from real world elements. Oh yeah, but treated yeah. like as if it was a sample from like yeah, you know, like field recordings and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My partner um, who goes by 2D Wave is all about that and actually introduced me to Matmos and makes minimal two-step and house that uses a lot of raw material and like found sound. And um, yeah, so I definitely know where you're coming from and what you're explaining. And I think burial is just so inspirational in that regardless of whether or not you actually 
like the pace of the music or the sounds that they have selected, the fact that they were able to make such a collage with what they were working with is just like mind blowing. You kind of don't always understand like how they managed to marry all of these juxtaposing elements. And I like almost got intimidated in this way because I had like, I caught on to Burial a little bit late around the time that I discovered Nicholas Jar and started producing. Mm, mm-hmm. Nicholas Jar. And yeah, <laughs> one of my favorites all so time. So amazing. Yeah, totally. And like both of those artists, it was just like, all right, that was a little bit of a come down to earth, you know, because I would like try to reproduce some of what they were both doing and I just like couldn't really understand or like fathom how it was happening. Right. I definitely learned a lot since I started producing, but still like the talent that they have is just amazing. It's overwhelming. Like wondering like where they even start, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like when it comes to a lot of music, I, I think all three of us are musicians. We, we all do things with music here. You can parse apart a lot of music and just be like, oh, okay, here's this part, here's that part. They probably started with this, then recorded that. Oh, I see. They're, yeah. they're like doubling it and putting one in each ear. Okay. You, you know what I mean? Like you can kind of like take the pieces apart and see where they started. But then there's yeah. musicians like Burial where you're just like, what's where? Like, it's, <laughs> it's so amorphous and yet so coherent that you're like, what? begat what like what what was your original chunk that you then built upon to create the next part or is that not even how your brain works is your brain better mm-hmm. than our brains yeah <laughs> and, and that we, part <laughs> yeah yeah like like because because yeah it seems like to me a lot of music at least for, for me is baby steps like maybe you mm-hmm. get like a really nice little hook or a real nice chorus and you're like all right that's good that's good what would go with that and you kind of let your brain yeah. fill in the gaps and you just kind of add on to it and build and build and build that's not yeah. what this album sounds like. <laughs> this album sounds yeah. like it was created from whole cloth and yet it's made up of many elements. It almost feels like Mother Nature incarnate where it's like all these pieces yeah. working in tandem together to create one whole. And mm-hmm. yet you can't really remove any of them because they're all kind of dependent upon one another. It, it gives me the chills just thinking about it. <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. Even, gosh, we didn't even mention Jungle at all in it. And yeah. he takes that. Pe- it's just like there's so yeah. many overlapping elements. I mean, we, uh, it's so good. Yeah. Well, we still got what? 10 more to go, though. So don't worry. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Who knows what Sarah's going to bring yeah. up? Who's, who knows what I'm going to bring up? I'm ready to hear more lists. <laughs> all right, cool. cool, cool. Let's, let's go. Let's take a quick break. Tara, uh, you go put your records away. Sarah, you go gather yours. We'll have a quick uh, coffee break, smoke break, whatever one needs, and we'll be right back. Looking for a way to make some quick cash? Well, making money with DoorDash is super easy, guys. I love riding my bike around the city, and now I get to do that while getting paid. With DoorDash, I get to pick my own hours and be my own boss. I get paid on my deliveries and keep 100% of my tips. Not to mention the sign-up process was so quick and easy. Guys, I'm telling you, just download the DoorDash driver app and see how easy it is to start earning cash today. Hi, 
I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. You might know me from the seven years I spent as a cast member on Saturday Night Live. And since then, I've gone on to star in some of your favorite TV shows and films. And trust me, they're your favorite. Favorite? Okay, Jonah, please be cool. And I'm a longtime music journalist with a fairly niche but very dedicated audience in the punk scene. So, Alt, in our new podcast, How Did We Get Weird, we'll talk about our favorite snacks, shows, and obsessions from growing up with some of our favorite friends, including comedians, musicians, and other A-list celebrities we want to brag that we're friends with. Wow, Vanessa, you're friends with Minnie Driver? Uh, yeah. JK, but she is very cool. We'll have fun and ultimately heartwarming discussions about our formative years and recall some unforgettable memories along the way. Like the time the Jewish Federation called our house during dinner and our dad told them we had converted before hanging up on them. Listen to How Did We Get Weird from Will Ferrell's Big Money Players Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey guys, this is Maddie and Kenzie Ziegler, and we have a podcast called Take 20. This is so exciting. I know we've been wanting to do this for so long. It's been a long time coming, but I feel like we're in a really good point in our lives where we have a lot to talk about. I'm actually really happy that I grew up with you because I could not do it alone. Oh my gosh, that's not really emotional. Well, it's true. It took a while to get to this point. We hated each other. I know. Like, we actually, I hated you so much. I know. We used to tell each other that, too, which is terrible. Okay, but honestly, I don't think we hated each other that much because we would sleep in the same room. Every night, even though we'd fight. I'm so excited for everyone to get to know us on a personal level and not just through social media. So this is going to be really interesting and fun. I know. I was literally saying today, I was like, I wonder if we're going to, like, fight. I feel like there will be lots of laughs. (laughs) You know what's so bad? Once we start laughing, we can't stop. We can't stop. Nope. That's going to be a huge problem. No. But listen to Take 20 on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we are back. Today we are doing the top five UK garage albums for the High Fidelity game. And uh, let's let's see, Tara has gone. We've got Tara's list, excellent stuff, one and all. And now uh, our customer, Sarah Damsky. I- I'm very curious what you're going to bring us and-, and whether or not we will ever get any of that mysterious and elusive overlap. You know, will it happen? <laughs> yeah, well... <sighs> I feel like I'm already being a bad rep because the first thing I'm going to do is say that some people have told me that this album is deep house, but the reason that I chose it is because it's one of the first albums that I've ever listened to. And it's actually a rework on an album. So it was the year 2015. The artist is secret lover from the just Jack girl EP and the track is the Christopher Rao rework of Just Jack Girl. This rework has like, well, it was one of the first tracks I ever heard that had that kind of shuffly, you know, pattern to it. Mm-hmm. And I purchased it from just a random crate at a record store. And when I came home, I thought that I had purchased a UKG record because I just played it faster and it (laughs) sounded like the other UKG tracks that I had heard. Like, 
you know, on SoundCloud as I was beginning to discover all of these different tracks. Mm-hmm. And there, it was like, it's super ambient, super down tempo, very chill. But just that shuffliness of that beat made it possible for me to incorporate it into vinyl sets as I started accumulating more UKG. And it felt just so right because Christopher Rao does make predominantly like really down tempo, really moody, um, deep house and house. But I feel like it's so inspired by UKG that his production is a really good example of, of that music that straddles the line and becomes a little bit more well-known um, amongst DJs and producers. I don't know if either of you are familiar with um, no. him, but I would recommend like here when I think of his music, I, I think about the word sound bath. Ooh, nice. It's like very immersive yeah, yeah. and it kind of, it's the mellow side of UKG inspired production, I think. That's cool. Um, yeah. So I wanted to start off with that one to kind of throw a wrench into the mix. Because, yeah, I don't think of the word mellow when I think of UKG, like, ever. <laughs> totally. And ironically, like, I thought about that when you brought up Burial, because yeah. there are artists kind of similar where it really does take you to this really moody, kind of dark space. And that's the antithesis of like that cheekiness that we think yeah. about when yeah. we refer to like MJ Cole or maybe baseline as, as a larger genre. But there is, there is a space for it, that kind of like sexier sort of um, almost noir aspect yeah. of UKG that exists. Interesting. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing this for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I never heard of this before. And Heart to Heart is just a great label. I don't, um, I think based out of Canada, I don't know where Christopher Rao is from, but I think that label is based out of Canada. I could be wrong. Um, Hmm. but just, yeah, just a surprise, like releasing kind of in the 2000, I'm not sure how long they were active, but yeah, in the 2015 era, we're releasing a lot of really good, um, house deep house and UKG. Cool. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> no, that's cool. T- um, Tara's already pre-digging uh, through the crates looking I am. Uh, oh, <laughs> for more yeah. I'm, digging. I'm digging. Yeah. That's cool. The next one is that I have is older um from 1998. Ooh. And this I think is a classic track. Like I I feel like if you asked any random DJ that plays UKG you know, what's one of the top five iconic UKG tracks. I would be surprised if this one wasn't mentioned in like somebody's list, but it's Groove Chronicles, Stone Cold slash Hold On from 1998. I have heard of this song, but the only context I ever see it in is kind of like, like you just said, in like lists, in like, yeah, in like, oh, mm-hmm. almost like, like, um, a reverential way, yep. like, 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 oh, yeah. and then of course this song, you know, but I, I, I'm, I'm not familiar yeah. with it. So that's, that's really cool. So the, it's both tracks on that record. Um, the first is Stone Cold and the second is Hold On, and they both are very different. Stone Cold is, has these like beautiful vocals and 
um, feels like it's going to be really mellow, sort of almost like the same vibe as that Christopher Rao track. But then when the bass drops, it just kind of reminds you like, oh, right, I'm listening to dance music. And it just (laughs) invigorates you to this degree where you are astounded. Like, you know, some breaks are just more effective than others. Right. And I think like one of the reasons that this track is so iconic is because the satisfaction of that drop is like almost unparalleled in my mind when it comes to like the classic UKG tunes Mm -hmm. and then hold on. is just this like super skippy it's, it might not be faster in terms of BPM, but something about it feels faster. Like it feels faster and poppier. And so it's just a really nice collection of tracks. And also Groove Chronicles is two producers, um, LB and Noodles that worked together for a while in the 90s and I think maybe into the 2000s. And so just being able to hear both of their styles come together is, is really cool and creates a very unique kind of um, shaping, like the, the sound sort of shaped a lot of producers that I think are popular now. Like I've heard Interplanetary Criminal, who's really popular now, say that LB was one of his um, main inspirations. So I think like this sound kind of shaped a lot of the UKG that came post this record. Yeah, and this and this is another one of those that samples like an iconic person in R&B uh, mm-hmm. Aaliyah on that Stone Cold track. There's a lot of Aaliyah sampling in UKG. Yeah. <laughs> what is up with that? A, a lot of Tim, Timbaland people too. Um, yeah. This is cool. Yeah. Like I said before, this is going to be a good playlist when we're done with this conversation. <laughs> I know. I will be I'm, I'm looking to forward it. to it a lot. I am too. I'm, I'm interested to hear like what goes at the beginning and how the playlist evolves too. Yeah. Like, I'm ready. My number three is a Genius of Time album which also kind of straddles the line of like hip hop house, deep house and UKG um, called drifting back from 2011. And the funny thing is this record that I have is labeled, but the label is so worn down that I don't actually know which track <laughs> on, this, <laughs> on this, like, I, I'm pretty sure um, it's drifting back because yeah. um, that one has that like classic kind of like shuffly beat. Um, and this was also like genius of time. My partner pointed out the other day is super like they have only a few releases, like they weren't very prolific in their time, but the few things that they did do were just like so iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, and this track drifting back, um, I've heard played in more U S based UKG sets, like at more U S clubs than in UK sets. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what about it, um, like appealed to everyone. Cause I know this label is based in or was based in the Netherlands, but it just like blew up here for some reason. And a lot of artists that like playing two step in UKG in the U S will know this track and will have this track. And so it's kind of special to me because I, it was like the one track I hear at parties where I just be like, yes, Oh my God, finally I get to hear like (laughs) a little bit of the genre that like I love. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And, uh, yeah, I've never heard of this one either. 
Genius of time. And I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, I think this one will surprise you, but you'll see why I selected it once you actually have a chance to listen. I think it's a little bit slower than some other UKG. Like, I don't know. I know we didn't really talk about it, but um, that like 135 BPM, like average with that like 55 to 65 swing, Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't always translate to all tracks that like have those shuffly elements. But this one does like a really good job of kind of being like very versatile, whether you have it slowed down or sped up. Hmm. I'm loving it. Uh, like, like so far, you are a hundred percent songs I've never heard. And that's I know, my yeah. favorite. That's my favorite. Me I love too. It. Well, yeah. except for the, sorry, the Groove Chronicles one. Yeah, for sure. The, the Stone, yeah. Stone Cold specifically I have heard, but not the other one on that uh, EP or album. Yeah. Excited to hear um, all of them. Sorry, yeah, I, I feel, yeah, like I'm not very uh, like contributing very much about your your choices, <laughs> but I'm so excited to listen to them. Oh, that's okay. I'm excited to like you know go through them a little bit and give some context, and then when people listen to the tracks, they can see a little bit, you know, about what I mean, um, and see them in the context yeah. of your tracks too, which I yeah. think will help give a framework for the genre as a whole. Yeah. Um, sure. I struggled with my number two because I have like two releases that are very different that kind of like are battling for that number two spot. And I'm still right now, I'm like still choosing between the two, but I think I'm going to go with seventh high by double nine, nine. And first of all, the cover for this album is iconic. It's just like (laughs) snippets of bare skin, definitely covered in oil, very sexy. Right off the bat, you get a vibe. (laughs) And I think like one of the most famous UKG tracks comes from this album, R.I.P. Groove. Mm -hmm. And some of the most famous samples that have made their way back into modern UKG tracks come from or like are an ode to R.I.P. Groove. Because of course, those samples can be traced back to like... Um, reggae tracks and a bunch of genres that you wouldn't really necessarily at first associate with UKG unless you knew a lot about sort of the history and the evolution. Um, so there's that like sound that comes <laughs> from like really that like dub siren um, mm-hmm. that has come from like really old school like 70s dub and and like reggae and so that this track features some of those sounds and has i'm gonna do it which i can't believe i'm gonna do it which is it's embarrassing but there's this this like sample where it's like whole ride and it's like in a <laughs> bunch of rave tracks like from the 90s and the 2000s and i feel like they're all playing an ode to this track, which is in turn playing an ode to the origins of UKG. So it feels very momentous sort of, and and kind of like when you listen to it, you can see the bedrock of like a lot of what came after. And the whole album is such a mix of like house and experimental and techno um, and garage house. But that one track is like a UKG classic. Yeah. I was going to say, okay, I, I have stuff to say about this one for sure because it, I haven't heard this, but it seems that they team up with um, Sneaker Pimps. And one of my favorite UK Garage tracks 
is Armand Van Helden's remix of Spin Spin Sugar by the Sneaker Thumps. Like, I okay. love, and that's another sort of like not an R&B group or not an R&B group from the 90s, but a group from the 90s, which I feel could be maybe even chunked in the trip hop category at some, sometimes, um, very groovy, moody. I think, I guess you would call it alternative from the 90s, but it wasn't like alternative in the way that grunge is alternative or like pavement or sonic youth, but they still put it in that category. And right. it wasn't all the way put into the trip hop category, but it definitely fits there too. So yeah, I don't Interesting. know. Interesting. Um, so yeah, another sort of perfect like 90s sample for UKG, or it's not a sample. I think they've actually partnered, but in, in the Armand Van Helden, it's actually a 90s song he's remixed um, into UK Garage. Um, but yeah, man, I love that. What is Sneaker Pimps? What is up with you and your UKG vibes? Love it. Connection, I guess. <laughs> That's amazing. It is. It honestly still astounds me how many people have dabbled in the genre. Right. Like artists that and producers that I would have literally never guessed. It's like, what? That producer yeah. hopped on and did that? Like, hmm. Yeah. Like that Daniel Bedingfield song which is Natasha Bedingfield's brother. Yeah. Got to get through this. And then there's the, um, uh, Sam Smith does those songs with disclosure and now he does just mm-hmm. like ballads. Um, yeah. Yeah. When I, usually when I ask people if they, if they've heard UKG or if they know what it, what it is, they'll be like, like disclosure, which isn't <laughs> wrong. Like, no. you know, they've definitely like utilized a lot of the, the sounds and, I know that a lot of people in the UKG community really are really excited about the work that they do because they will actually drop independent small like producers in their mixes and get them some really good attention. And they will drop some of like the hardest, like basiest <laughs> two-step from record labels like Shall Not Fade and um, EC2A and stuff like that. So they're pretty cool. I I have an appreciation for them, but I honestly haven't haven't yet listened to their new album. I'm I'm a little bit mm. behind. Yeah, and, and one thing that we haven't really highlighted is this sort of crossover between grime and UKG. Right. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> that's I a mean, whole other conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and and you were right talking about MC culture and that um, you know that's still really prevalent in in parts of in a lot of different labels and producers lives in the UK. Like I know that some of them still perform with MCs and will go live and do live streams with MCs. And it's a whole aspect of the UKG culture that, you know, could, could have its own episode. Cause it's just like, so interesting and it spans for decades. I mean, in the, um, in my primary resource for UKG, which is People Just Do Nothing, the TV show. (laughs) (laughs) They they really do um, point out uh, how much of the pirate radio aspect led to the MC because it did become almost like a um, necessary element to transition from song to song and element to element, where instead of like just being a DJ on the radio, kind of like, you know, saying what's happening, the MC became 
almost like the um, the ringleader, almost like the mm-hmm. um, the traffic cop, like just kind of like saying what's happening while it's happening. And then some freestyles go in there as well. And then this goes, like, it, it, it seemed very much like, um, at least on that one TV show, I'm sure, I'm sure real life people who actually experienced pirate radio in the UK in the early 2000s have a much better understanding of this than I do. <laughs> but I yeah. saw a TV show on Netflix. So I think I'm kind of an expert. <laughs> <laughs> and uh uh yeah, yeah the, the MC grinder character he uh, definitely is like the he's the MC he doesn't actually touch the turntables like ever and it, he is the he's the leader he 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 blends everything together and takes the front and center position so what was that wait when what year was that again 2000 something oh did i not say let me it was 2001 2001 okay and then that was number Two. Yes. Oh, so we're, um, we're up to your number one already. Yeah. And this one, I think, is going to be a little bit surprising. Um, it came out, oh man, like just a month ago. Oh, oh. nope, nope, my bad. December 10th, 2020. Mm. Um, I was wrong. But this is a um, from Canapé Records out of Bristol. It's called Illicit Material by Longies. And I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce his name. I don't know this one either. So this one I I chose because I think it hints at the future mm. of UKG. And I know that we talked a little bit about Future Garage, which is also its sort of like own um, subgenre of UKG. But I think UKG currently is going in this really interesting direction where um, for a long time, it was at least what I was hearing that was coming out felt one of two ways, either really sparse and dark or really like poppy and more of like the garage house style. And and there is some stuff in the middle, um, but it wasn't necessarily like making super big waves, you know, in, in my mind, like from an outsider's perspective. Um, but this one is kind of like you were talking about earlier with burial. This one is like full of weird recordings, um, like full of interview snippets, like weird raw field recordings. The synth sounds are super interesting and feel more architectural and like, um, Ooh, what's the word I'm looking for? Almost like sculptural Mm. than a lot of the other sounds that are in UKG. And I think like this producer along with um, some producers that are sort of doing more like jungle inspired production, but more down tempo and, and, and like the same could be spun into a UKG set style, like more of those hybrid tracks are coming out. And I think it's pushing UKG in this really interesting direction that makes it potentially unrecognizable to some folks that maybe danced, you know, in New York in the nineties, but at the same time is still UKG. And so this one, yeah, a little bit of a weirdy, but so good and like very inspiring to me personally. 
another 2020 UKG track. Yeah. This is cool. I mean, in, yeah. as, as a person who is, uh, you know, uh, you've mentioned your label. Um, now, you, I know you have a compilation coming out pretty soon, right? So is that going to be released on your label as well? Yeah. So um, the it is all the label. It's called um, Unrivaled Groove. And we, um, I would say I spearheaded the um, project, but it was definitely a group effort kind of getting it all together. The inspiration for it was oceanic vibes because that kind of helped me mm. thinking about the ocean helped me a lot through quarantine. And a lot of the people that are on the compilation made the tracks that they made during quarantine or we met during quarantine. So it was basically curated in isolation. And I know that's true of like a lot of albums that are coming out now, but this one feels really special because like the one, the one tenant that I had was that I would play the track live. So it's a very eclectic compilation. It has some like nineties feeling garage house that has some breaks and breakbeat, even a track kind of verges on drum and bass. So it really was just more about me sharing and the label sharing the tracks that we love in the genre and less about trying to like make it feel really like cohesive. Like it feels cohesive, but it's less about making the tracks all sound like they should go together and more about making a final product where like each track has that emotive quality that you want as a DJ. And I'm hoping that... Yeah, it shows more people about UKG in the US. Yeah. And then so this is all contemporary, brand new UKG. And and are, are all the artists in the US or, or are they from all over? So ironically, like all of the it's um five artists, well, four artists from the US and one US based collective mm. um at, that comprise four of the tracks. And then um five artists from the UK that also comprise the other four. So there's some collaborations happening. Mm -hmm. Um, But almost all of the UK based artists that we worked with were based out of Bristol and only one was not. And they were based out of Nottingham, um, which was funny to me just because now I can, I've seen some photos of them hanging out since the (laughs) end of quarantine. And it's just like, Oh my gosh, there you are. That's so cool. Um, because they do all live in the same city and, you know, scenes are small and the world is small, but I'm hoping I can take like a tiny percentage of credit for that. (laughs) You know, that's great. Um, so yeah, it's going to be, it's, it's basically just this hybridized work that kind of shows two different aspects of the same scene. Nice. And then so it's called Unrivaled Groove Volume 1. Where can I get it? Where can I get a copy? So you can go to our Bandcamp, mm-hmm. which is masonfauna.bandcamp.com. We also have a website, masonfauna.com. And um, if you want to follow us on Instagram and hit us up on Instagram, that's also cool. We have an Instagram shop too. We like to make things easy for you. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so um, whatever is convenient. And, and um, I know this is coming up soon, but what's the official release date for it? So Friday the 13th, because you just had to do it, you know, um, <laughs> Friday the 13th of August. So basically, you know, after you get your tattoos, head up masonfauna.com and you can get a, late, a record. Um, yeah. And it has beautiful art by Rachel Hayes at Manufacture, which is a design agency based out of L.A. So you get 
some cool art too. Very cool. cool. Loving it. All right. Well, uh, we've got two excellent lists. I have so much music homework ahead of me. Like <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's so much that I need to, to absorb. And I, I love that. I, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. So uh, it's my turn next. And um, I think I'm going to be the person here who is least familiar with UK Garage. And I, you, you, y'all can see what my interpretation of this will be. So uh, it'll excited. be fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to <laughs> so hear what we'll, we'll be got. right back after we have a nice little coffee break. My best friend is an Irish heiress. She was royalty from Ireland. Had a huge inheritance. We're talking $30 million. But it turns out Mayor Smith is actually an international con artist. And police are hunting for her. She's left a trail of devastation in her wake. This is not normal to be outside her place. I would rather die than let her get away. Listen to Queen of the Con every Thursday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I asked what kind of family she wanted. She said, a family like yours. Learn more about adopting a teen at AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. The NFL created Crucial Catch because early cancer detection can save lives. At the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, some cancer screenings declined by 90%. Now, doctors are diagnosing later stage cancers, which could have been detected sooner. Don't wait. Remind a loved one and talk to your doctor about getting screened. It takes all of us to intercept cancer. Visit nfl.com slash crucial catch to learn more. Okay, we are playing the High Fidelity game. We are doing top five UK garage albums or UKG or UK garage albums. And my list is going to be weird. I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure where to begin because I feel like whenever I picked something for my list, there was like a little caveat where like I felt like I was cheating on every single Every, like, like every choice I made. Because obviously I only wanted mm. to pick albums that I loved. Yeah. So when I was like, oh, I love this album. I guess it works. Oh, I love this album. I, I guess that works. And the first one will kind of uh, illustrate that. My very first choice, number five. The year is 2007. The artist is Burial. And the album is Untrue. found an overlap we, we did it we found it that that that's where it was it was burial and um i'm sure everyone's got their own like path to burial but for me it's um uh, terry you know how much i love radiohead tom york back oh, in the yeah. early days of burial would talk about burial all the time and mm. how much he was influenced by a lot of electronic artists at the time, but Burial in particular. And now Tom York collaborates with Burial fairly often. I got a really great 12-inch uh, collaboration between, who was it? It was Burial, Tom York, and there was one other artist involved too, which I will not remember. I'd have Fortet? to look it up. Was it Fortet? The three, the three of them together? 
kind of feel like hmm. it, but maybe not. I don't That's, know. That sounds correct. Doesn't in my it head. sound right? Wait, I know. Yeah. I think you're right. It was a double A and side. I yeah. Think yeah. that I have it. Me too. It's it's all black, right? <laughs> like it, it, yeah. it's, it's like the opposite yeah. of, of of a white uh, of, of a white label. It's a black label. It's a black sleeve <laughs> with a black label yeah. on it's a black forte, record. Yeah. It is Fortet. Her Revolution Excellent. thing? The Her yes, that's it. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, it. yeah. Fortet Very and cool. Burial. Yes, yes, yes. That Which is a f- Fortet, man. Yeah. Oof. Excellent release. Well, <sighs> well, anyway, we, we've talked enough about Burial. <laughs> you gave me an excellent uh, segue <laughs> to my number four, 2003. It's Fortet. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it's Rounds. Okay. See now, this one again. I feel I feel like I'm kind of cheating again. No but, way. But I I don't know. Like 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 you you two would know better than I do. Would you call Fortet's album Rounds UKG or not? Because I could go either way. I could be convinced either way. I think. I kind of feel like. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait, and then you. Uh, yeah. Uh, you oh. go first. I was just going to say, I kind of feel like this is my Christopher Rao track where it's like (laughs) you, it's more of an influence thing. And so you kind of attribute it to the, to the genre. And I mean, this could be total hearsay, but from what I understand, um, both for Jamie XX and for Fortet, UKG was incredibly influential in how they produce and their lives growing up. And you can definitely hear it in both of their styles. And they've done back-to-back sets where I think that common thread that they find when they play tracks is that garage thread. And I definitely hear it. Like I definitely hear it in the, in the style. And I feel like if you walked up to a UKG DJ and asked them if they would drop some Fortet in their set, the answer would likely be no, but I don't <laughs> think that that doesn't make it UKG. Right. You know, yeah, like, yeah. You know, like, no, I, I feel you. I feel you. It's almost like, um, asking if 100 Gex is PC music. It's like, well, it almost is. <laughs> it's influenced <Right>. by it. <laughs> elements, elements. Yeah. <laughs> But that's cool. That's cool. No, no, I, I feel the same way. Like, I, I feel like um, kind of like how Burial, I don't think, is quite UKG. I don't think Fortet is quite UKG. And I think perhaps certain tracks from both of those artists, you can say, oh, well, wait, listen to this. And you're like, okay, I can hear the shuffle. Okay, okay, I can hear the syncopated beats. Okay, okay. But then you play another <laughs> track and then they'd be like, no, not at all. Like, if, no, of course this isn't. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. I, it's, it's, it's cusp for sure, for sure. And uh, in fact, I, I hate to use another great segue, but Sarah, you've given me another great segue. My number three, 2015, Jamie XX in <laughs> oh color. God. Totally. I mean, there's literally one of those tracks that starts off with like, oh my gosh, is it the, oh my gosh, (laughs) that one? That definitely is one. Yeah. The one I was thinking of and like, right, like before it breaks, it says something about like the sounds of the UK. Mm -hmm. Oh, this Um, is under the one roof and raving or something. This is for the sound of the UK. But I think that's on a different album. That is, you're right. Oh yeah, that's, that, that's, his, that's his previous one where it's mostly remixes, right? No, it's on the next one. 
okay. the, with the red cover, which I can't remember what it is. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. But there is that one track that, yeah, I think I was confusing it with, um, yeah, that other track that you just mentioned. But one of the tracks on In Color, I feel like does say something about the UK sound. And I feel like that's a very UKG move. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. (laughs) no, It's got a lot of those elements. And like you said, just like with Fortet, I think it's very influenced by, like, I feel like, and also very naively when I was thinking about, you know, what's my favorite UKG, I thought this would be the most contemporary pick of, of, of the night, but no, far from it. Both of you had 2020 and 2021 stuff. So, so yeah, no, like... 2015. I'm 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 not showing off. This is this is still in the <laughs> yeah. past. I do think I do think this album is more UK garage than you said rounds by Fortet, right? Yes, yes, correct. Yeah, I definitely think this one is more, if any, UK garage than that one. But it's similar to the burial one in a way that it's like an homage to UK garage in a lot of ways. Yeah. <clears throat> and then also includes even like maybe grime elements with like the, I know there's going to be good times and the, oh my gosh, like a bunch, I think there's um pop, pop, popcorn, popcorn. Does that what sound right? It? Yes. Popcorn. Um, huh. So, and, and so uh, yeah, he's got dub elements. He's got those like vocal elements. He's got the skippy beats. I mm-hmm. think it qualifies. I think it qualifies. I also, one thing that all three of these have in common, uh, especially rounds and in color, a lot of samples. And I'm not sure if that negates mm-hmm. or enforces its UKG status, but that is something that both of those have in common. Like rounds in particular, I think I read somewhere that it's got like up to like 300 different samples, but you oh. can't even really tell. Like they're just kind of no. like thrown in there. Yeah. Like um, I think rounds only has one element one instrument that was actually recorded for the album and it was like one guitar solo or something everything else was sample based which is really impressive because it doesn't sound like girl talk you know what i mean like it sounds Mm. like it's its own thing and he really manipulated each of those samples to really sound like a new element and a new instrument yeah so um it's anyway I, i i'm not sure if the sampling has anything to do with the ukg sound but both these albums do use sampling quite a bit. And uh, Fortet is on In Colors. Makes sense. I, that, that's so <laughs> yeah. funny how that all these folks are overlapping. And it's also yeah. funny to me that Jamie XX has made such a name for himself as a solo artist to the point that I don't think many people even remember the XX. You know, like, like that was like the origin. That was like where everyone was like, oh, you know, yeah. Jamie XX, he's from the XX, you know, that popular band that he's a part of. Like he's beyond <laughs> that now. Like it's, it's, it's like, it's wild. N- now Jamie XX is the popular one. And he used to be in this little band called the XX that you've probably never heard of. And it's, it's <laughs> weird how he flip flopped his popularity there. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely like uh, Jamie XX as a producer. DJ than than I like the XX. I like the XX, but right, no, yeah. but, but he just proved mm-hmm. that he's really, really good on his own. Like he's, <laughs> yeah. he's great at it. He's he's good at yeah. making music, so good for him. <laughs> it's really true, and I totally know what you mean because I liked the XX, and you know, was loyal to them. Went to their shows, bought their records, 
and still feel that way, mm-hmm. but then connected to Jamie XX's music in a way that I just hadn't to the XX. Right. And I think part of that has to do with the vibe. Like the XX mm-hmm. is really like specific to a state of mind, I think. Yep. But then with Jamie XX's first solo record, and I know that there is an album that he put out with, um, he did like a remix album of um, Scott Heron. Yeah. 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 Um, He's got a really weird discography. From everything that I've ever read about Jamie XX, it seems like everything just kind of happens by accident with him. Like, Like the only reason he joined the XX was like, they just needed someone and he knew how to do the thing that they needed or whatever. And then like his totally. first album, he just accidentally accrued enough remixes that he's like, oh, I guess I'll put these out then, you know? <laughs> and then like, it, like, it, like yeah. from what I've read, whether it is just him being modest or if it's the truth, it seems like he just accidentally does these awesome things and then they go out in the world and then it's fantastic. Like it, it just seems very haphazard. <laughs> I don't I don't know if there's any truth behind that, but that's the image I have in my mind. I think that's kind of true. Like he meant like um apparently Gil Scott Heron like passed away just a month or two before that album came out, or maybe a month or two after. And so it kind of got enveloped in that whirlwind of like press right. upon his passing. And it just kind of blew up in that way. And Jamie XX was like, I didn't, I was just like working on these and like, I didn't really think about it. Like I thought I was lucky that he gave me full access to all of these files and like, let me have my creative license. But like, I didn't think anybody was really going to notice. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, like, like Gil Scott Heron before his death was very reviled amongst a small group of people that loved Gil Scott Heron music, but that's about it. You know, it it wasn't newsworthy that Jamie XX was working on a Gil Scott Heron album until he died, which is, you know, always sad for every art form, you know, that that's, that's the key to popularity Mm -hmm. is go ahead and die. Unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) It it does happen though. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, he uh, anyway. was, Gil Scott Heron was very, very popular in the 70s. I mean, he did the whole, oh, sure. this revolution will yeah. not be televised. So, yeah. I, oh, absolutely. I, I, yeah, yeah. yeah no, totally. no, not to take anything away from yeah. Gil Scott Heron. Not, not only did he definitely deserve every bit of attention he got, um, it's just good, good music too, period. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. at the end of the day. I know what you mean, though, because I think a new generation kind of opened their eyes. Like I learned about... Um, yeah, this revolution will not be televised when I was in art school. And even then it was kind of late to learn about it. You know, I was in my early Mm twenties and then I think like getting wrapped up in that event did sort of make like a new generation kind of aware of, you know, his role, um, in, in sound and in music and in politics. And it's so relevant still now, his message of the revolution will not be televised saying that white people need to pull their eyes away from their Beverly Hillbillies episodes and wake up to see like the change doesn't happen when you're sitting on your couch. Like you gotta help, Mm -hmm. you gotta do something. Yeah. 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 Incredibly. Yeah. Invigorating. Illuminating person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm about to uh, bend some rules again, Ooh. and um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to take some UKG elements, and I'm finally going to throw an MC on top of it, and the MC is going to be the focus. The year is two, oh, this is my number two. The year is 2003, Dizzy Rascal, Boy in the Corner. Boy in the Corner. 
Real deep on knees Put these MCs on deep freeze Hit these with these and rip these I'm like bust of you flip these So please don't rap with these Fearless angry sick MC I, I, didn't expect that I, I mean <laughs> it's grime for sure like this is a grime album this is definitional I think it counts grime but I agree see now if, if we go one album later if we move on to Showtime his follow up his sophomore album I think it's not as UKG anymore but this one mm. in particular this is where I hear the people just do nothing thing because I know Dizzy Rascal um, was involved with that whole pirate radio scene where, you know, he would show up and someone would be doing UKG beats in the background and he would be there just kind of freestyling on top of it. And I do think that is what influenced his sound and what made him into what he became. And then more or less between, I'm, I'm sure there are other people to credit. I'm a dumb American. I don't know the <laughs> grime scene as well as I'm sure any British person does. But sure. um, between like Dizzy Rascal and Wiley and The Streets, they basically like created grime, you know? And, but I think they all created grime out of UKG. Like I think they basically were the frosting that turned angel food cake into like a hostess cupcake, you know? <laughs> I'm not sure that makes sense, <laughs> but I think I understood what you were trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Admittedly, I don't know as much about grime. Mm. It's just like, like even though it's a huge part of UKG, and I know a lot of producers that will kind of, and I actually do play some grime in my sets. I honestly feel like I don't know mu as much about the history of grime, but I love it. Right. <laughs> like. Yeah. No. Uh, to to me, the the full picture is missing a lot of pieces, but the picture I have is UKG was not popular enough to be on mainstream radio in the late nineties and early 2000s. So a lot of pirate radio stations in the UK started making, you know, th th they wanted an excuse and a place to share what they loved. They wanted to share the UKG sound with others. Mm -hmm. And then the MCs grew from there on these UKG pirate radio stations. And that's that's the picture in my head, which I'm sure is incorrect, but it's a, it's, it's a nice narrative, <laughs> you know? Like the, like the story makes sense. And speaking of original pirate material, let's move on to my number one. Oh. The year is 2002. The, the artist is The Streets, and the album is Original Pirate Material. Paul stands tall now. How's it come to this? Oh, oh, oh. Original pirate material. You're listening to The Streets. Lock down your aerial. How's it come to this? I was wondering when this was going to be said. Yeah. I didn't know who was going to say it, but yeah. I knew it was coming. And I made a reference to this label earlier, EC2A, which is a dub plate um, label for the most part. I think they've maybe put one or two of their releases on Spotify, but it's otherwise vinyl only. And EC2A is kind of like, it's a um, sort of like a zip code. Okay. So like someone being like, you know, the 212 right. or something like that. So it's kind of in that vein um, or like a postal code. Mm -hmm. And their whole identity is kind of like embedded in that. And I don't know where the original pirate material originally surfaced, 
but they like have a Spotify playlist called original playlist material. Mm. Um, their t-shirts have, have had original pirate material like printed on them because I think like the streets really did have like, they both popularized and then at the same time sort of like influenced what was happening in that time. So it was like, a little just yeah the circular motion of like what the streets were taking and then what they were bringing back yeah um yeah and and then like all the language of that underground uh pirate radio ukg scene is in the album you can tell that that's Mm -hmm. the life he's living at that moment you know even elements where it's like you know you are listening to the streets lock down your aerial you know what i mean where it's talking about you Mm -hmm. know having this illegal antenna on the top of you know your um on top of your block tower and you know just making sure that like it is it's it's it, it especially at the time when the album came out it felt extremely like it almost felt like a documentary into a world that i was nowhere near a part of you know like 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 hearing yeah. hearing the streets and dizzy rascal at the time felt like someone was reporting on a world that was like a couple thousand miles away obviously you know i'm from america they're in the uk living a completely different life than i am and just hearing about the elements of this scene that's happening felt just kind of fun and felt kind of voyeuristic in a lot of ways too Mm -hmm. because it was something that I was clearly never going to be a part of (laughs) like like you know I I, I was in America listening to something that was happening at that moment in the UK and um, Mm -hmm. it was fun It, it, it was a fun time and once again I feel like that album um original pirate material is extremely UKG. But then you just go one album later. Um, I believe it's um, a Grand Don't Come for Free. That's like mm-hmm. the, the one after that. That's the one that's like his like, mm. um, that's the one that's like his like concept album. That one is nowhere near as UKG as the first one, I don't think. So so again, it's like, I'm not just like picking my favorite Streets album. I'm saying, right. this one is UKG, that one is not, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like I'm drawing yeah, a line totally. in the sand. <laughs> yeah. And it is so hard to draw those lines. Like, yeah, definitely a couple on my list. I think people in the UK would be like, I can't believe you included that. Oh, yeah. Like, that's yeah. not that's not UKG. If anyone but in I the think, record like, store right now that's listening to us <laughs> is from England, we're dumb Americans, just to remind you. <laughs> don't worry. Yeah. We're we're hunting on discogs and we don't have friends to tell us what's cool. Exactly. You know? like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think there's something to be said for that, you know, fi- like trying to sort of work your way in and have an understanding of a scene that is so like centralized. Right. Um, and has, I mean, it's very infrequently that, a country becomes part of a genre title. Right, like right. you don't really hear, I mean, I know it exists, but you don't really hear people say like U S house. Right. Or yeah. like, you know, um, only thing I can think of is maybe just like country music. Yeah. Yeah. But then and there's I still people French like house. Oh, French house. I guess. French yeah, house. Yeah, Italo, Italo disco. Italo but that's disco less, yeah. Yeah. But, but, but there are like, that many. In Australia, like like someone like um who who is that uh, dude that is married to Nicole Kidman oh, or at least was uh, at some point? Toby Keith, Keith no, that's not Keith, it. Keith Urban. Urban. Yes, Keith Urban. Keith Urban. <laughs> I knew there was a Keith in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> Keith Urban, would we call him American country? Or or do people just call him country? I, I literally don't know. I don't listen to Keith Urban. I don't either. 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. But it is true that like the term country know. in Western is very specific geographically. Like they are talking about yeah. a very specific time and place and, and yeah. geographic location. Yeah. Interesting. It's true. Huh. But what's weird is like, I've still heard country music from other countries, mm-hmm. but because, and I don't know if it's something about how long specific genres kind of have to be around for that sense of ownership to kind of like disappear or morph. But for certain things, it feels like maybe the genres are too new for them to kind of have that like disassociative property. Mm, But like country music has been around for hundreds of years now. And UKG, I mean, surfaced in, I guess, I want to comfortably say that most people became aware of UKG in the 90s, despite whatever origins it had. So... I think like because of that, maybe the discography isn't large enough or like the amount of people producing it isn't large enough for it to feel autonomous. Like it feels very specific to one place. But then I'm surprised constantly to hear that there are really big labels producing or putting out UKG in like the Netherlands or yeah. like, you know, and, and I'm like, okay, like I'm totally wrong. But then I'll chat with those people on Instagram and they'll be like, no, like it's lonely here too. <laughs> like, you know, like we, we always see the posters for shows that we want to go to in like, you know, London or like, you know, Leeds. So we'll see how it evolves. I'm excited. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. And, and also like the isolation thing you're talking about, it's funny so we were saying that, you know, we are dumb Americans. Our interpretation of what UKG is, is always going to be different from the people who were there experiencing it in real time. We have an American version of this. And you were mentioning much, much earlier in this conversation how it's starting to get bigger in uh, countries like Japan. Um, there is an upcoming People Just Do Nothing film called People Just Do Nothing, Big in Japan, where the mm. whole point is, is that surprisingly what they do in London that, you know, they think is the most important, big, popular thing in the world, but is really very, 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 um, it's, it's, it's appreciated by very few people. Yeah, like niche. Yes. Mm-hmm. In Japan, the, at least the premise of the, of the film is that it's very, very popular in Japan, and they all go to Japan to capitalize <laughs> on this popularity. So that's really cool to me too, because that's that's another element of this, and and also I think that's just another element of art in general, where it's just like you make something and you cannot control who likes it, <laughs> where they like it, what they think of it, how they interpret it, all these things. It's just, it's just you know little little boats being put out into the water, and you hope it makes it something, but who who knows what it's going to do, what where the tides are going to push it, you know? Yeah, I just wanted yeah. to mention though. That it's interesting that there are some pioneers in the UK garage space that are from the United States, like Roy Davis Jr. and Todd Edwards. Todd Edwards, yeah. He's the pioneer of Speed Garage, which is uh, like super hyped up and bass heavy. Um, But yeah, that's it. But we don't call them like just regular like us we don't say us garage we don't say garage i think we still put them under uk garage right well, well just like well, yeah young sarah searching for the um the, right. searching for music and finding, finding a lot of punk oh yeah you, you got to make that definition because yeah mm-hmm. i mean it, it, when i think about garage rock 
in like America, I think about, you know, like the OCs and like no bunny and like that now right. completely defunct label of burger records. Like that was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually what you just said reminded me of this really interesting dis- um, discussion that I had with one of my favorite um, UKG producers, Para. Um, who I have to shout out because he is just an incredible producer and incredible person and has been so influential in the UKG scene. But I, I think I typed a message and I included UK before garage. And I was like, you know, it's, it feels really lonely here in the U S sometimes. And it's really exciting to be able to like connect. Um, and he said like, it's all just underground music, Mm. like, you know, and it's all, like we're all kind of doing it in similar spaces. And when we listen to it, we're having sort of similar experiences, like regardless of where we are. And, you know, so sometimes when you're talking to people from the UK and it also makes sense when you're in the country, maybe you're not going to put the name of your country first before you say something, but you know, it's just, it's just garage. It's just underground music. Um, And so I think sometimes, you know, ironically, I actually see it or I actually see myself as more separate than I am because I feel like the distance and not being able to go to the shows and become good friends with the people that are in the scene. It's actually more of a problem for me than it is for these people that are like seeing me attempt to be a part of it. Like they're more open to it than I think they are, which is really interesting and kind of reminds you that like, at the end of the day, you know, respecting the music and putting out good content and supporting the people in the scene that are putting stuff out is like what's most important. Yeah. Um, 100%. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I think supporting musicians so they can continue to make more music is the most important thing any music fan can do. I'm biased because I'm working in a record store right now, but. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, I really fully believe that if you love music, you need to give as much money as you can to your favorite musicians. Like, it's just, it's the way it works, you know? And Totally. Uh, oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, one last thing we should do before we go is uh, restock the employer recommendation shelf. This is just a quick moment where we uh, go through... And we uh, basically say, this is what I like right now. I hope people who come in this store and see it, they take it as a recommendation. Uh, Tara, uh, what what you got? What are you putting up on the the shelf this time? I'm actually going to recommend a book this time. Nice. Uh, It is the Rock and Roll Explorer Guide to New York City. Mm. Um, And uh, actually, these the two authors, Mike Katz and Crispin Cott, they at one point have lived in Atlanta, which is where I am now, which I thought is so cool. But uh, I believe they both live in New York now. But um, it's it's like part guide, part history book, and. I think any music lover like myself would appreciate it. And if you're going to New York anytime soon, pick it up and go and check out all of the spots. There's even places they've included that have been demolished. So it is a it's it's a pretty good guide, I would say, to historical landmarks in music history in New York City. Very nice. Awesome. Um, for my uh, addition to the employee recommendation shelf. Because we spent so much time today talking about so many dudes that were producers, (laughs) 
I wanted oh, to. Oh gosh, true. I, I wanted to include at least one woman who I really love that's working in today's world, who's just a, an amazing producer in my eyes. Um, she's still pretty damn new. Her her debut album actually comes out in September of this year. Uh, her name is Park Hi Jin. Uh, she's really mm. wonderful. And um, so, yeah, like I said, she, her debut album comes out this year called Before I Die. That's out on September 10th. Uh, but until then, I highly recommend and I just insist that you check out her 2020 EP called How Can I? Isn't that great stuff? That's just... <laughs> I I really, really just love her music. I think it's like um, a little bit trancey, a little bit upbeat, a little bit fun. But like, I, I think in some ways it shares some DNA with this conversation we've been having today, which, you know, how could any musician in any genre not have some DNA in common with all the things we discussed today? Because <laughs> this UKG conversation can uh, kind of cover many bases. Um, but yes, anyway, Park Hai Jin, check her out and uh, pick up her new album, Before I Die, when it comes out. But in the meantime, check out her 2020 EP, How Can I? Park Hai Jin. Anyway, um, let's see. I, I know you don't work here, Sarah, but would you mind uh, putting something up on the shelf? Yeah, I was inspired by Tara's selection of a book, so I'm going to follow suit and recommend a zine called Brave Scout Cookies. Um, they recently put out their first edition and... In short, what they do, um, and this is, I think they do several things. They have huh, their hand in many cookie jars, <laughs> but um, the description they have on their website is co-creative platform champion championing marginalized talents, fostering safe spaces, and bolstering socio-conscious dance floors in dance music communities. Um, their first edition has really awesome guides about how to be safe at raves, how to know what you're uh, getting involved in, so to speak, mm -hmm. and how to be conscious about people that you might not have interacted with before or people that aren't very nice to you. And I think it really does a good job of being a sort of prep guide to safe raving and raving with open eyes. And I couldn't recommend it more. So I would put that on the shelf if I could. Nice. No, I, I love a good zine. Zines, I think, are extremely important like yeah. the zine to the literary world is the equivalent of like band camp to, <laughs> to the music <laughs> industry. You know, it's like, yeah, it, it, it's, it's giving everyone a voice. And I think, yeah, I know I, I love a zine. Um, and, and plus, uh, uh, as soon as it does come out uh, here in a few days, I'm definitely going to pop up uh, Unrivaled Groove Volume 1, this uh, this uh, UK contemporary UKG compilation from your label, Maison Fauna. I, I can't wait to hear it. Um, I'm giving it pre-employee recommendation shelf status. I haven't heard a single note from it, and I know it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so excited to hear that, and I can't wait to, uh, yeah, to send it to y'all. Very cool. And uh, let, let's see here. You said uh, the best spot is your band camp. Can you go and give the uh, URL for that one more time? Yeah. So our band camp is Maison Fauna, um, M-A-I-S-O-N-F-A-U-N-A dot bandcamp.com. Um, you can also go to our website, MaisonFauna.com. And 
Um, just so you know, because I think it's cool. The vinyl is actually marbled a transparent blue and solid black. So it should be really beautiful. Um, I'm just picturing transparent blue and solid black. Yeah. To kind of give it that marbled ocean at nighttime kind of vibe because the ocean was a big influence for this release. So transparent blue, solid black. That's, that's beautiful. I I don't think when people uh, design, um, you know, the, you know, the many, of course, color combinations of vinyl that people can make today, people neglect to use the solid black in the combinations with other colors mm, as often true. as they should. So it's this, true. this does sound beautiful. I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And, you know, we did a mock of it and they showed us a photo of what it would most likely look like, but obviously the real thing is really different and they haven't done this combination before. So yeah. We're not actually going to know what it looks like until it arrives, and we're super, super excited. It should be <laughs> literally today. That's that's fantastic. Wow. I love it. Cool. Uh, well, yeah. cool. Well, um, thank you to everyone who's in the record store today. You're all wonderful people for coming to shop here with us. Um, and extra, extra, extra big thanks to Sarah Damsky. We really appreciate you coming by and uh, you know sharing all your knowledge of UKG with us. Um, you are a, a, a well, a fountain of knowledge, and uh, I can't wait to check out every single track and album that you mentioned today. It's going to be a lot of fun for me, so I appreciate you. And um, but we we really got to go. The store is officially closed. <laughs> Happy trails, everyone! Until we meet again. Record Store Society is hosted by Tara Davies and Seth Nicholas Johnson. If you'd like to contact the show, you can send an email to recordstoresociety at iheartmedia.com. Or you can find us on all your favorite social media sites with the handle at Record Store Society. Record Store Society is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hi, I'm Jen Kirkman, host of the Anxiety Bites podcast. Take a weekly deep dive into anxiety as I share stories from my decades of anxiety disorders and recovery, as well as candid and down-to-earth interviews with esteemed experts in the field of anxiety who are here to help us all have our anxiety bite less. Subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. 
See, I thought I just had a face for radio, and some good white people at Comedy Central gave me a new TV show called The God's Honest Truth. Won't God do it? And you know they couldn't contain my blessed black and highly favored ass to just 30 minutes once a week. Nope, I'm delivering extended sermons straight into your ears like a dollar store Q-tip. Plus, the check already cleared so I can say whatever the hell I want. Like, cracker-ass cracker. See? Listen to The God's Honest Truth on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.